0: Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together.
1: Hey, we're starting a series this morning for the next three weeks. We're going to be looking at a passage uh, in the Book of Ephesians, Ephesians the sixth chapter, verses ten to eighteen, and it's it's kind of generally thought of as the armor of God. Uh, put on the full armor of God, and, and we're going to be talking about what that means and beginning that this morning. Uh, so I hope that you'll read ahead. I hope you'll pay attention because uh, this is a really, really important passage for us. Uh, yesterday morning, Jen and I drove up to Munns Park near Flagstaff to do a, a memorial service for, for a, um, a friend and, and uh, a man who was 69 years old uh, on the first tee Uh, on the golf course and he had a massive heart attack and and died right there on the golf course and and uh, so we we went up to do the service and uh, people kept asking his wife, how can you be so strong? How can you deal with this? Because, uh, the, you know, in, in an instant, their life just fell apart. Everything changed for them that this, this man who uh, had been a doctor uh, his whole career uh, all of a sudden wasn't there and that he was really the patriarch of the family and, and well-respected and well-thought-of. And, and all of a sudden, they're facing this loss. And, and they asked her, how can you be so strong? And she just simply said, it's Jesus. It's my faith in Jesus, and so we're all confronted sometimes with what do we do when we're when we're faced with tragedy, when we're faced with hardship, when we're faced with trials, when things go wrong. How do we prepare ourselves? For those times, because what we really strive for is comfort, right? What we really strive for is security. What I really want so much in my life is to, is to feel good, to feel secure, to feel safe, to feel comfortable. And so often we're not prepared for when things go bad for us because we've been so focused on how do I make my life easier. And that just doesn't seem to be the world that we're living in, and we want to look at this passage because it talks about what it means to live in evil times, what it means to look to live through disastrous times uh, in our lives. And so the Apostle Paul, he he finishes the book of Ephesians talking about what it means, um, what it means to live in that kind of world, what it means to be a soldier uh, for Christ, what it means to put on the full armor. In the first five chapters of Ephesians, he talks about the. God- and what it means to belong to Jesus and what it means to be part of the church. And in the second chapter, in the eighth verse, he says that you're saved by faith. You're saved by grace in Christ, not by anything that you've done, not by your own works, but but we're saved by believing in Jesus. We're saved through him. And he builds on that. And now he gets to this last part. And imagine you get there and you're trying to explain to people, here's the last thing I want you to understand. This is what I want you to take home with you what I want you to be ready for. And so he gives us this picture of a soldier. Now we have some soldiers here and uh, uh, they look strangely like knights. Uh, to us, but they're intended to be soldiers. And Paul's picture was a Roman soldier and and the armor uh, that a Roman soldier would wear, because if you were living in the first century, you knew what a Roman soldier looked like. If you were a a Jew living in Israel, you knew because you were in an occupied country. The Romans had had conquered you. Uh, Roman soldiers are everywhere. You knew what they looked like. They were the best trained, the best equipped, and the best led army in the world they had conquered everything in their path uh, and so they would know exactly what he's talking about and so when Paul talks about the armor they all had in their mind what a Roman soldier looked like what the armor looked like that that he would wear and so he begins to build this passage on this picture here's how it starts in Ephesians 6 verses 10 to 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So here's the first thing that Paul says. Finally, here's the last thing I want you to understand. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He doesn't say be strong in yourself, he doesn't say get stronger all the time, get smarter, get more education, get more stuff. Uh, He doesn't say that this is about us, he says this is about the Lord, this is about Christ, that he's calling us to be strong in him. Not in what we can do, not in what we understand, but he's saying be strong in the Lord. So if you wanna know where your strength comes from, he's saying it comes from the Lord, and anything short of that is going to be lacking, anything short of that is going to fail when we come to evil times when we come to disasters in our lives when we come to hard times anything short of the power and the strength of the Lord is going to be inadequate for that moment in our lives be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might is what Paul tells us be strong in him not in ourselves and then he follows that by put on the whole armor of God Put on the whole armor of God. Here's what, here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. And here's what I believe. He's saying, I want you to get everything that Christ has to offer you. I want you to be a little bit selfish. I want you to say, Lord, whatever it has that you have, whatever it is that you give, I want all of it. I, I want to be full of your spirit. I want to be full of your power. I want to understand your might. If there is armor there, I want it all. I want everything you have because I'm going into a world that doesn't understand you. I'm going into a world that has challenges and I want everything that you have to offer. Don't, isn't that what we really want? Don't we really want everything that Christ has promised us? we want everything that he has to offer us why would anybody say oh yeah Jesus that's awesome I'll just take a little bit now I just want a little part of you I, I just want enough to, of you to help me sleep better at night or to feel better about my day that doesn't work for us we want all that Christ has for us so he says put on the full armor of God all that he has, all that he's prepared for us, that we might be prepared. He goes on to say that we might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, I get it. Nobody likes to talk about the devil, right? Nobody, it's just, it's not politically correct. It's kind of awkward. It makes me feel weird. We we just would rather leave that out of our vocabulary. We just don't talk about it. But the fact that Jesus said it, the fact that nobody in the first century was surprised about it. You know, the only people that have trouble thinking about the devil are people that live in the Western Hemisphere, us. The rest of the world, if you talk about the schemes of the devil, they go, yeah, we get it. We live in it we understand we know what that evil looks like but somehow here we've tried to mask it we tried to cover it up we tried to get rid of it we don't like to talk about it we want to solve all, all of our own uh, all of our own challenges we think that through science we can conquer anything that we think everything has some sort of place that we can put it uh, some sort of understanding that we can come to uh, and so we don't like to talk about the evil one but jesus said look you need to understand that he's not going away that this idea that there is evil in the world is not going to go away that it's real and you need to be ready you need to be prepared for it we know our strength comes from christ we know that we're in a battle against the schemes of the devil and here's the thing for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers the authorities against the cosmic powers of this present darkness against spiritual forces in the heavenly places and you know this points out something else for us so when you find yourself in trouble when you find yourself in a disaster When you find yourself in chaos, what's the first thing that we wanna do? (laughs) We wanna figure out who to blame, don't we? We, we want to figure out whose problem this is, who did this, whose fault is this, that, that we, we need some sort of object for our anger, an object for our frustration, and so we're constantly trying to think whose fault is this, who did this, and, and the Apostle Paul is wanting us to understand, you know what, we live in a world that's filled with evil, we live in a world that's apart from God, we live in a world that's turned its back on God, that's an adversary of God, we live in a broken world, and this is part of living in a broken world. And it's not about pointing our finger. It's not finding the person that we can blame for the struggles in our life, but it's recognizing that's the kind of world that we find ourselves in. And you'd only have to re- listen to the news for just a few minutes to know that there is evil in the world today. It's around us. Uh, Paul wants us to be ready. He wants us to understand. First uh, Peter, the apostle Peter says this in 1 Peter 5 eight. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood around the world. He's saying that all over the world, that people are suffering for their faith, that there's, uh, there's martyrs, there are executions, there is struggle going on because of, for people who follow Jesus. But he says that, but we say, he says this, Paul in 2 Timothy 1 17, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, fear but of power and love and self-control. But he's, not, he's saying, yeah, there is evil and there is struggle, but there is no reason to be afraid because God has given us power uh, and love and self-control. And then the apostle John follows it in this way in 1 John, the, the second half of chapter 4, the second half of verse 4. He says, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Do you know why we don't fear? Because greater is he who lives in us than he who lives in the world. The world may be evil, the world may be struggling, the world may be filled with chaos and darkness, but the one who lives in you, the resurrected Jesus Christ, he is greater than anything that we can face. He is more mighty, he is more powerful than any trouble, any chaos, any evil that we might be confronted by. That's the promise that Jesus gives us. Verse 10 in Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord, literally is translated, strengthen yourselves in the Lord. That we are called to be constantly strengthening ourselves in the Lord. That it's a daily practice that we have. It's something that's ongoing in our life. It's something that we're relentless about. We never stop, that we're constantly being strengthened in the Lord that we give ourselves to him, that we trust him, that we believe in him. You know, when we find struggles in our lives, we talk about this all the time. That's in the moment that we have to decide, what do I really believe? Do I really trust this stuff? I can come on Sundays and I can, I can sing and I can sit through a sermon. And I can do all the stuff and I can talk the talk and all of that. But when trouble comes, what do I really believe? Do I really believe in Jesus? Do I really believe all of this is true? And he says, because of the resurrection, this is true. You can trust this. You can build your life on it. It's not about circumstances. It's not about evil. It's not about all the things in the world, but it's about who we trust. And there is an enemy. In the history of Christian martyrs, according to the Bible, it begins in Acts with the stoning of Stephen, the, the, the murder of, of Stephen, in in the book of Acts, it says that, uh, Acts 22, 20, uh, and the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, and Paul says, I stood there giving my approval, guarding the clothes of those who were killing me. Here's the apostle Paul saying that when Stephen was being stoned, when Stephen was being martyred uh, for the gospel, Paul was there. Before he was Paul, he was Simon, and he was one of the zealots that was persecuting Christians, and he said, I held the coats for all of those guys who were throwing the rocks, who were killing Stephen, that was what I did. And now I'm giving my life for the sake of the gospel. Now I'm giving myself. In Christian history, martyrs don't end with Stephen's death. In the first century after Stephen's death, all of the disciples except the apostle John died for their faith in Christ. They all gave up their lives uh, for Jesus. Uh, James, the son of Zebedee, was beheaded approximately in 44 AD. Philip was crucified in 54 AD. We could go on and on about the disciples, but also the martyrs don't end with the death of the disciples. Thousands willingly gave their lives under the Roman persecution by emperors Nero, Domitian, Trajan, Marcus Aurelius, on and on and on until 300 years later. For 300 years, they were dying for their faith in Jesus until, do you know what happened? Rome became a Christian nation with Constantine. That, that all of these Christians were martyred, all of these Christians died for their faith, but people saw through this whole thing. They saw how they lived their lives. They saw how they died. They saw the peace that they had when they went to their death. They saw how they lived for Christ. Uh, they saw that their lives were different, that they didn't know how they got there. And after 300 years of persecution, Rome became a Christian nation through the martyrdom, through the pain, because somebody stood firm, somebody put on the full armor of God, somebody believed in Jesus over all the things that were going on. And here's one of the phenomena that we live with today, because there are probably more people being killed for their faith today than ever in history. But wherever people are being persecuted, the church is growing. Through that persecution, the church grows because they see people who follow Jesus no matter what it costs. They see people who are so committed, who are so in love with Jesus that no matter what it costs, no matter what it takes, they're still following him. They have a peace that nobody understands and people are drawn to the faith through these folks. And so you look at where persecution is the strongest, that's where you see the church growing the most. But it's so hard for us, isn't it? Because we just don't live that kind of life. You know, they're, they're standing on their faith in, in, the, in the face of persecution, even death, and we worry about being embarrassed. We worry about being, you know, uh, left out. But we worry about somebody making fun of us for our faith or somebody criticizing us for our faith. Those are the kinds of things that we worry about, and their life is on the line, and they stand firm because of who Christ is. And the Apostle Paul says, don't be fooled. Don't don't lose focus. Put on the full armor of God because you are in a battle. And whether we want to be in a battle or not, we're in a battle. We live in a world that's overrun by evil. And we need to trust Christ and we need to be prepared and we need to carry the full armor of God. Psychiatrist Scott Peck uh, in a book he wrote some years ago, wrote of a meeting with a depressed 15-year-old boy named Bobby, who was increasingly uh, troubled after his 16-year-old brother killed himself with a 22 rifle. Dr. Peck tried to probe Bobby's mind, but got nowhere. And searching for ways to establish a bond with him, he asked what Bobby had received from his parents for Christmas. A gun, Bobby said. Peck was stunned. What kind of gun? A 22. More stunned, he said, how did that make you feel, getting the same kind of gun that your brother killed himself with? And he said it wasn't the same kind of gun. Dr. Peck felt a little bit better at that moment until Bobby said this. It was the same gun. Bobby had been given as a Christmas present by his parents, the gun his brother used to kill himself. When Peck met the parents, what was most striking was their deliberate refusal to acknowledge any wrongdoing on their part. They would not tolerate any concern for their son or any attempt to look at the moral reality. 20 years later, Scott Peck came to faith in Christ, and he wrote about this experience. One thing changed in 20 years. I now know Bobby's parents were evil. I did not know it then. I felt their evil had no vocabulary. I felt their evil but had no vocabulary for it. My supervisors were not able to help me name what I was facing. The name did not exist in our professional vocabulary. The scientists rather than, uh, as scientists rather than priests, we were not supposed to think in those terms. And he was lost. And that poor child was lost. I hope you'll join us as we talk about what it means to put on the full armor of God, what it means to live our lives boldly for the sake of Christ, what it means to put on those things. And as you think about this, and I'm hoping that you'll read ahead because one of the things that you'll see is as you read about the armor of God, it's not really about the armor, but it's about the characteristics of a follower of Jesus that are associated with that piece of armor that it's about the character that happens when we are transformed into the image of Jesus, that when our lives are changed by him, and as we put on the armor, we're not putting on a piece of armor, but we're putting on a characteristic of Christ. By his spirit, we're being equipped to live in a world that so desperately needs to know him, to experience him. What do we need to stand firm? Richard Wurmbrandt was a Romanian Jew who met Christ and was a preacher for many years, and uh, he's been called the voice of the underground church. In the 1940s, he was jailed and tortured by communist officials in his home country. And I remember I actually got to meet Richard Brimbrand on a couple of occasions, and, and I'll never forget, because he spent those years in prison, and he was beaten so badly that his back was deformed. It had deep ridges in his back because of all of the places that he had been beaten. His feet were so deformed by being, where they beat his feet that he couldn't wear regular shoes anymore. That When I met him, he had to wear slippers all the time everywhere he went because he couldn't put on regular shoes. He was put in prison and the, then the first time he got out, he just went right back to his church and started preaching again and then he was put in prison again. And he tells this story in one of his books about uh, speaking boldly Of the gospel to his atheistic captors about one experience in the 14 years he spent in prison he wrote a political officer asked me harshly how long will you continue to keep your stupid religion and I said to him "Wormbrandt said to him I have seen innumerable atheists regretting on their deathbeds that they'd been godless They called on Christ. Can you imagine a Christian uh, that a Christian could regret when death is near that he's been a Christian and call on Marx or Lenin to rescue him from his faith? (laughs) The atheist began to laugh and he said, That's a clever answer. But Wormbrand said, When an engineer has built a bridge, the fact that a cat Can pass over the bridge is no proof that the bridge is good. A train must pass over it to prove its strength. The fact that you can be an atheist when everything goes well does not prove the truth of atheism. It does not hold up in moments of great crisis. And then he said, I used Lenin's book to prove to him that even after becoming prime minister of the Soviet Union, Lenin himself prayed when things went wrong. Where's our faith? Where's our strength come from? What do we trust? I, I love the Apostle Paul, and, and again, I'm just practicing my gift of repetition, because remember in Philippians 1.8, that Paul talks about being in prison. He's in prison when he writes this in, in Ephesians 2. He doesn't know if he's gonna live or die, and still he says, put on the full armor of God. But now in Ephesians 1, 8, he's, uh, Philippians 1.8, he's, he's saying, I'm chained to a, one of the royal soldiers uh, every day, 24 hours a day, and yippee, They think I'm their prisoner. (laughs) They think they have me in prison, but the truth is I have them. They're chained to me 24 hours a day. They can't get away from me, and I am sharing the gospel with all of them, and they have no place to go. They have nothing to do, and they're under the delusion that I'm their prisoner. Little do they know they're my prisoner because I'm telling them about Jesus. I'm sharing the gospel with them, and they can't do anything about it because he had on the armor of God, because his trust was in the greatness of God and the strength of his might, not in his own abilities, not in his position. It wasn't about his situation. It wasn't about being chained to a guard. It wasn't about being in prison. It wasn't about knowing whether he was going to live or die. It was about the gospel. It was about who Christ was in his life. He wanted everything that Jesus had for him. He wanted to have everything that Christ offered. He wanted the whole armor of God. And when he found himself in that place, he knew exactly what to do. He was gonna talk about Jesus. He was gonna share who Christ was in his life, who Christ is in our lives. You know, you might be feeling like, Larry, man, this is sort of a morbid sermon. I'm talking about evil and all this stuff, and that's not what I come to church for, man. I mean, you know, I'm going to sing awesome songs, and and then I want you to give, tell me something that's going to make me feel good about my week, you know, and so I can kind of hit the ground running and have a great week, and you're supposed to build me up and send me out ready to go, and you're just a downer today, you know. Sorry, but that's not the tone of this. That's not what this sermon is really about. What this sermon is really about is that, that Christ has equipped us for whatever our circumstances are. He's offered us his strength. He's offered us his power to deal with whatever might come our way, whatever challenges that we face. He says, it's not by your strength. It's not by what you can do. It's by me. It's what I do. It's what I have to offer. Trust in me. Put on the full armor, and I will be with you. I'll be your strength. This is a sermon about victory, not about defeat. This is a sermon about overcoming evil, not being hopeless, and helpless this is a sermon about who christ wants us to be and how he wants us to live our lives and and so you might be this morning you might be thinking but larry i don't need this because my life is really good right now my life's awesome right now I, I got things going i don't i don't have that whole evil thing happening around me i feel pretty good about it and, But you know here's the truth that you know how rome fell i I went through my period of time where i had to read all the classics and i read the rise and fall of the roman empire and uh, one of the things that always struck me in that book was he talks about one of the reasons that rome fell was because of the army the best trained the best led the best equipped army in the world. You know that their armor, uh, when you had all of their armor on, weighed about 100 pounds. Their shield was about 22 pounds. And there came a point where they had conquered everybody that they could see. They had won all of the battles that they had been in. They had had just, they were the greatest army on the planet, and they knew it, and they decided, you know what, I'm sick of carrying the shield. It's heavy. Try walking 20 miles carrying a shield like that. You'll get tired of it. And after they had conquered everything they could see, they just decided, you know, I don't need this anymore. And they started not carrying their shields, not keeping it up. And, and then pretty soon, you know, their helmets were itchy and they were heavy and, and their neck got tired. And so they started taking off their helmets and they got lazy and they stopped practicing. They stopped training and they started leaving their armor behind. And the next time a great army came against them, Rome fell because their army wasn't prepared. They were no longer doing the things that they should have been doing. They weren't wearing the armor anymore. They weren't prepared for battle anymore. And we don't know when those moments are coming in our lives. But we're pretty sure they're coming, right? But what we do know is that God can prepare us. He can equip us for those times that we find ourselves in a battle, for those times we find ourselves in a struggle. And I want you to understand that this morning that there are all kinds of battles and all kinds of struggles and we face them uh, every single day of our lives and sometimes they're so subtle that we don't really see them as part of the battle but we're in the middle of it. Maybe it's just our drive to be comfortable. Maybe it's just our drive to feel safe. It's our drive to feel secure and we don't even realize the fact that we're in a battle for our soul because we're focused on our comfort when we should be preparing for the battle. But whatever it is, the Lord wants to challenge us this morning to be strengthened by his might and his power to put on his armor to prepare ourselves because there's still an enemy out there. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word, Lord. Lord, thank you for how you, you love us so much that... You're just not going to let us off the hook. You're going to remind us, Lord, that there is an enemy in this world that is working against everything that you're doing. And Lord, we are in the middle of that. And we need your power. We need your armor, Lord. We need to be equipped for the battle. Lord, help us not to take the easy way out. Help us not to be rebellious or, or, or Lord, to, to be apathetic. But, Lord, help us to enter into the battle for your sake, for your kingdom. Because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. That, Lord, you have offered us everything that we need. And we want to receive that this morning. And so, Lord, we simply ask you by your might, if you would equip us, if you would strengthen us, Lord, if you would be our armor. And we'll be careful to give you all the honor and the glory and the praise in Jesus' name, amen.
0: In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor.
1: So here's the question this morning. How do you fight your battles? How do you fight your battles? Do you get angry? Do you get vindictive? Uh, Do you get even? Do you get fearful and hide away? How do you fight your battles? Paul's given us a recipe. Paul's given us a picture of how God is allowing us to fight his battles uh, for the sake of Christ and for his kingdom. And so maybe this year one of the things that we ought to consider is, how do I fight my battles? What do I do? Maybe I ought to reconsider. How is it God wants to equip me for the battles that I face in my life. Because our battle isn't against flesh and blood. Our battle is against the spiritual forces of this world. And he wants to equip us to do battle for him and for his kingdom. We have prayer partners off the side. i uh, love to uh, have you stop there if you'd like prayer. And then also our prayer table. we we'll record your prayer requests. And we love praying. And if, if God's answer to prayer, put that down too. Because we love to begin our time just thanking the Lord for what he's done and his provision. Uh, I'm gonna let you go, but I wanna remind you that there are some hot dogs out there. So I love you guys, have a great day. God bless, thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.